Good morning. As you can, as you can tell, I'm not Rory, you know, up here somewhere. Um, those guys are gone at a leadership conference that Calvary Chapel has put on in Boise, Idaho. So in case you're wondering, uh, again, why we're a little bit sparse in here, there's a lot of people gone and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, I was asked to teach this morning, and I'm a little bit more comfortable uh, bearing my soul with you guys in a small group situation than I am up here. So um, yeah, this can be a little intimidating, but we'll just muddle our way through it. For those of you guys that uh, uh, maybe this is the first time attending Calvary Chapel, um, we are proud to be a church that believes in the absolute, unconditional authority of Scripture. You won't find a, a watered-down gospel here. Our leadership here um, believes in no compromise. We won't stray from Scripture. Uh, we will follow through. Uh, the leadership will follow through and foster loving accountability here. So we stand upon truly the word of God. That's something that we are proud of uh, here at Calvary Chapel. So, so welcome. Um, my heart's desire this morning, you guys, is just to bear my soul to you. Uh, kind of explain to you maybe what has gone on in my life a little bit this year. Uh, as, as God leads us this morning, um, I want to just open up with how the Lord has touched my heart, how the Lord has spoken to uh, my wife and I's life earlier on this year. I don't know if that's proper English, but something close. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 and 3. If those of you don't have a Bible, is there anybody that needs one? We have Bibles in the back that we can pass out to you guys where you can take a look. So Isaiah chapter 54. Let me read this, read our text this morning before we pray over our teaching. Okay. What the text says is it says, Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. And the beginning of verse 4 says, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your compassion and your love that no matter where we are in our life, no matter where we are in our walk with you, your love abounds. You reach in and you grab a hold of our hearts and our lives. You speak into our hearts and lives. Lord, you desire to move within us. 
And God, as, as you spoke into my life earlier this year, I desire to speak into the hearts and minds of all those listening right now. So God, we just ask that you would be present. Holy Spirit of God, would you fall upon each and every man and woman in this room? Would you transform us by the renewing of our mind? Would you open our eyes to see and our ears to hear? Speak forth in boldness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you guys, to, to begin, we started earlier off in the year uh, where Rory was teaching a, a study on the church. As he was opening up to us, you guys, the, um, the great love that Jesus Christ has for his bride, us, the church. During that time, uh, sometime earlier, a Sunday in, J- in January, uh, we were worshiping um, Rory's teaching, and we got ready for communion. We did have communion that morning. And as we all uh, left our seats and got ready to come up front uh, to pick up the sacraments of communion to take back to our chairs, uh, half or three-quarter of the people had gone, and my wife and I stood up and got in line up this aisle right up here and, and started to walk up and you guys that are familiar with Tammy, Tammy Wood, who's normally up here with Kendra. She's gone on the leadership training. She got up and pulled Linda and I aside that morning out of the line, uh, stood us over here in the corner, and just said, listen, God has spoke to my heart to speak to you these verses. And what she did is she opened up her her Bible to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 and 3. And she said, Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. And as she spoke that to us, she said, listen, she goes, I've just touched by God to tell you and speak into your life. Um, I haven't ever had that happen before. I don't know if you guys have either, where you've had somebody prophetically speak into your life. Um, we, we celebrated communion. Uh, we worshiped. We went home that day, and Linda and I are... We're looking at each other. And as, as we looked at each other, you know, Linda goes, well, what was that? And I said, well, let's take a look. Let, let's just open it up and study. Let's take a look and see what it says. Let's see what God is speaking to, into our lives. What does it mean? You know, what can I learn? What, what questions arise out of this, right? And as, as I took a look at, at, at the scripture, there's some words that popped out, and I want to begin our study this morning by, again, what God had spoken to our lives, because honestly, as the study in my own personal life went on through this year, it became apparent that what God was speaking in my life, I am to speak before the church to you guys here today. 
as we look at that scripture, the words that stand out in verse 2 and verse 3 are these. Uh, Enlarge. Stretch out. Do not spare. Lengthen. Strengthen. Expand. Inherit. Inhabit. You know, those, those words spoken into our lives, into my life, um, speak two things. One is, you can see the compassion of our Lord. You can see the compassion and the love that no matter where we are in our walk with Christ, no matter whether we have come to Christ um, yet or not, those of you in this room that maybe have not, and if you are in this room and, and you have not accepted Christ, Christ called you here today to hear this. For those of you that do and that are following Christ, Christ called you here today as he did me to explain this. Uh, the, the love and the compassion of Christ speaking these words into our lives are um, caring, loving. He wants to move. He wants to take our lives in the places where we stand and the places where we're stuck and the places where we've, where we've grown accustomed to not move out of and stretch us out. So the first thing that brought into my mind, the first thing I had to study was, you know, that, that I will go to. And you guys, I'm going to go through a lot of verses here and you don't necessarily have to skip around with me, but I'll kind of let you know um, for accountability purposes where I'm coming from. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, uh, was, was the place that God took me to first. And what it says is this. It says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? So my first point of reference that the Lord took me to in this uh, Isaiah 54 verses is test yourself. Are you there? Are you following me? Have you given yourself up to me? Have you surrendered your life to me? Uh, so it was heartfelt. Um, the question I had to ask myself was, am I in a place where Jesus can have his way with me? Or have I dug in? Have I entrenched? Have I found myself a place of my own selfish contentment where I can live? And Jesus is calling us and calling me out of that. So, so am I absolutely, unconditionally, sacrificially surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord? So, so as I go through those steps, as I examine myself in the faith, um, I take a look at the promises that, that God has, has put before us in Scripture to, to make sure and to, to speak into our lives as to whether are we on the right path. Am I seeking him? There's so many passages, Old Testament and New Testament, you know, about seeking the Lord and what his promises are for us who are seeking him. And, and again, I'm just starting from the beginning as we look at this verse in the beginning with what is God speaking to us here with these verses? You know, starting back on uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, and I'll tell you why I'm saying this, for those that do seek the Lord, he is ready 
and able to be found there. But we've got to seek him with everything we've got. So that's my first question. Am I seeking him? In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29, it says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28, David is speaking to Solomon, his son. And in verse 9, he says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17 it says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Right? So the question is still, am I seeking him? If I am seeking him, he has promised that I will find him there. Okay? Jeremiah uh, chapter 29. You know, we're familiar with the, the, the common verses of that. I think it's beginning in chapter, or verse 11. It says, for I know the thoughts that I have toward you, says the Lord, right? Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And the next verse says, I will be found by you, says the Lord. For us who are seeking he is there to be found. You know, in Matthew chapter 7, right? Um, he said, seek and you will find. You know, ask. Um, and, the, you know, knock and the door will be open to you. You know, that set of verses. Are we continually asking? Are we continually seeking? Am I doing this? You know, as I examine my faith, as I look to see, am I following Jesus like I should? Um. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. One of the commands of, of God back in the original Pentateuch, right? In the original first five chapters of the book that Moses wrote. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Is that true in my life? In John chapter 3. Verse 3, 5, and 7. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, Christ says, you must be born again. Have I been born again? You know, have I been regenerated? Have I been born of God? Have I been baptized in the Spirit? You know, let me check myself. Um, has the old man died? Has the new man taken over? You know, in, in Romans chapter 6, Starting with verse 4, it says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also 
walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So has the old man died away? Has the new man been risen? Am I different than I was a year ago? Is Christ working in my life? Have I allowed him to do what he wants to do in my life? Um, over on chapter 8 of Romans, verse 1. You know, we look at that as a fairly, a fairly uh, common verse, right, that we go to all the time. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So am I in Christ Jesus? The definition of those that are in Christ Jesus is the last part of verse 1 there in chapter 8 where it says, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So as I'm checking myself out, you guys, as I'm examining myself in the faith, am I finding these things to be true? Am I, am I found in Jesus? Um, Matthew chapter 16, you know, uh, Mark chapter 9. Have I denied myself, picked up my cross, and followed him? Probably the most telltale set of verses that I looked at that convicted me as I'm going through this process of self-examination um, where, where I, I'm checking myself out to see if I have been living a life absolutely, unconditionally surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord. And he is worthy of that. We know that, right? In John chapter 14, verse 15, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Am I obediently following Christ? Is my life bearing forth the fruit of evidence of Jesus living in me? And that fruit being obedience. If I love him with everything I've got, then my heart's desire is going to be to follow him and to give him my life because he gave his for me. So is my current relationship with Christ and my level of surrender such that Jesus can move in my life? That's, that's what this verse brought out. You know, this verse in Isaiah, chapter 54, verse 2 and 3, is, you know, you hear the compassion. He wants to move. Jesus wants to move in our lives. Are we positioned, uh, have we positioned ourselves in such a place that we can have that happen? Or have I slidden back into my own comfort zone that I refuse to move out of? Have I removed myself from a position of usefulness because of my selfishness, because of the place that I'm scared to walk out of? You know, I, I ask myself as I'm analyzing these verses and what God wants to do with my life and what God wants to do with your life, you guys, and I'm going, okay, where am I? How did this happen? Uh, because I can admit right now, you guys, that in the last you know, a couple of years, 
as I was, I'll back up further, as I was born again, as I was brought to Christ, as I was baptized in the Spirit in the spring of 07, truly I understood what Christ did for me. I understood he gave me victory over sin. I understood it was all of him and none of me. I understood that my life was totally in his hands, that the price that he paid was above and beyond anything that I could have done for myself. I had no worthiness for him to to give me this, but yet I found myself in the world taking ownership of my own giftings, um, utilizing um, my schedule in, in such a selfish way that I only uh, reached out to others if it was convenient in my schedule? Do you see where we fall into? Do you see where I fell into? How has it happened, you know, that I fell into a place of, of ownership of my own salvation? How, how did that happen? It, it shouldn't happen. But this world is deceptive. Our enemy is deceptive. Things happen slow. And, and the one thing I prayed for as we went through our week of fasting, our corporate week of fasting here a couple weeks ago, I just prayed for God to bring me in. For God to expose himself to me. For God to take me and strip me of this world and everything I thought I felt comfortable in and have his way. Right? So uh, the promises, uh, as I looked, okay, what, what are the reasons that, that, as I rationally think about this, that I should let loose of my own life and grab a hold of Christ? You know, some of the, the common things that we think about, for those of us that have been walking with Christ for a while, you know, he's blessed us with eternal life. Um, he's blessed us with freedom from the bondage of sin and death, Right? He's blessed us with his glorious presence with us at all times and all places. He's blessed us with a, a true peace that's oblivious to the circumstances of the chaotic darkness of this world. He's blessed us with hope in a dark world, right? All these things Christ gave us that we might see his amazing love for us and through his love, We'd be able to surrender everything and yield everything that we are to him for his purposes, for his glory. Remember, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, right? Verse 20. We have been bought and paid for with a price. Our lives are now no longer our own. He bought us. And he bought us with the precious blood of God himself shed from the cross. So, so looking at those promises, um, one other uh, item that, that came up, you know, as I, as I searched myself, you guys, and I, as I bear my soul before you, is that I know that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He took them to the cross, right? I know that he paid the price and the penalty that was due me. And um, that, that price and penalty of which... We had no ability in and of ourselves to pay. Only he did. Okay, we were lost. I was lost. 
We, we know that. He opened the way into the very presence of God by and through his torn flesh that we might enter through that torn veil into the inner sanctuary where God himself dwells, where the throne of God resides. He made the great exchange for us in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. 21, I think it is. Where he exchanged our sin that he took upon himself and carried to the cross for his righteousness that he wrapped us in. And he cloaked us in those white robes of the righteousness of Christ that we might enter through that torn veil into the presence of God himself, into the holy of holies, that we might worship the creator who made us in the first place and then bought us back. So we, we, we know and understand that. Do we also understand that by the price of Christ's precious blood, he brought into effect the new covenant, the covenant of grace, the promises that were given to the nation of Israel and to us in the Old Testament. And there's a number of those, but you guys, let's just go back and take a look at uh, Ezekiel chapter 36. And as we go there, when we look at the new covenant in the Gospels, including in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when Christ instituted the sacrament of communion, what he said, and I want to kind of make sure we, we read and understand these words. He said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, right? In the same manner, he also took the cup after, after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, when we partake in holy communion, we not only remember his life and his death, but we remember, we remember the new covenant of grace that was brought into effect by and through the work that he did on the cross. So here's one, one account in Ezekiel chapter 36 of what God promised that he would do by and through Christ's work on the cross. Beginning with verse 25 of Ezekiel 36, he says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Now, one thing I notice as I look at that promise is I notice, you guys, that there is nothing that we have to do in and of ourselves in that promise. It's not, it's not like the old covenant where we had laws we had to obey, and if we obeyed those laws, you know, uh, we would find grace in his eyes. That didn't work. All it did was bring us and expose us um, uh, as sinful human beings. As he brought in this new covenant, 
God also brought in the promise that says, look, yield yourself to me and I will change you. Yield yourself to me and I will change your nature. I will take that sinful nature from you. I will, I will replace it with my Holy Spirit. I, I say that as we examine ourselves because it isn't us. For those of us that, that have given our lives to Christ, that we're afraid to step out. We're afraid to, to step out of our comfort zone. God already did it for you. He doesn't call you to a place that he hasn't already enabled and equipped you to handle. Um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It, it, it's, it's one of those verses, you guys, that, that is strong on, in my heart and on my heart. Um, it says, no temptation has overtaken you. And the word temptation and the word trial in the Greek are synonymous. Okay? No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He won't ask you, as he grows you in preparation for his kingdom, to step into something that he hasn't already prepared you to do. That's where I was. I'm like, why am I stuck? What is not only the purpose for God speaking this verse in Isaiah 54 into my life, but, but where was I when that verse was spoken? What place was I in? You guys, the only thing we need to do in our walk with Christ is we need to yield ourselves to him. You know, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, uh, we've looked at that a lot in our, our studies, you guys, as we finished up Romans and as we went through the church series and stuff. Paul is speaking to the church at Rome, and he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The act that we need to perform is a presentation of ourself, a yieldness of ourself, that he may do the work that he desires to do in us. So I'm asking myself, well, how did I get stuck? What happened? Where did I go? How did I fall off the path? I understand God is loving me, loving, lovingly leading me back you know, into his grace. So in light of all this stuff that he's done for us, what has been the world's influence upon my state of surrender if I fail to resurrender myself Redeny the world, redeny myself every day and follow him. So Matthew chapter 13, uh, which is Christ's parable about the seed and the sower. Okay, we're, we're a little bit familiar with that. You know, where there was seed that was, um, oh, how does it go here? It says there was seed that fell by the wayside. Right? And the birds devoured it. Uh, there was seed that fell on the stony places where it didn't have much earth. Immediately it sprang up. 
and the trials and tribulations of life, you know, withered it, right? Um, there were some that, that uh, sprang among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. And then there were some that, that landed on good ground and that bore fruit, right? Well, over in verse 22 of chapter 13 of Matthew, Christ explains what can happen to us following Jesus in this sinful, deceptively wicked world. And what it says, it says, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So have I allowed the world to take me to a place, a a selfish place of contentment in my life, that I am no longer bearing fruit? Am 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 I fruitful? And and, and by by fruitful, am I bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Am I bearing forth the fruit or evidence of obedience in my life? Um, When Christ spoke to the rich young ruler, uh, Mark chapter 10, And he lovingly, as he spoke to him, said, Listen, there's one thing you lack in your life. Go sell everything you've got, give to the poor, and come follow me. So my question for myself in this regard is, is there anything in this world that I've grown attached to where I have not allowed Christ to clip the apron strings of this world that I may absolutely unconditionally follow him. If he speaks that into my life like he did the rich rich young ruler and says, let go, let go of this. I want to grow you. I want to work in your life. Am I willing to? In, In Luke chapter 14, verse 33, as he's explaining what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. He says, Whosoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Am I willing to do that? Do I live in such a way, with such trust in Jesus Christ, being a good, um, being a just, being a holy God, that I trust him for taking care of all those cares that I have in, in my life with relationships and, and uh, care for young ones, care for elderly, um, uh, care for all the things that, that we have going in this world. Do I trust him enough to let it go? So listen, the world's influence on us, if we don't resurrender ourselves daily, is that we fall back into trusting ourselves instead of him, And we take back ownership of those very same things we surrendered to him back at the date of our conversion. You know, I remember when when I first was brought into 
reality, a reality understanding that I had not surrendered myself to Christ. Growing up in the church, being around the church my whole life, 46 years old, and Christ touching my heart and saying, why have you never surrendered yourself to me? And I, and I realized that. You guys, at that point, when I went into that, that dark room and shut the door and hit my knees and just cried and saying, Lord, I don't know what it takes. I, I don't know what I've got to say. I don't know the right words. I don't know the right things to do. All I want to know, I mean, all I know is that I want this. I want you. I want you in my life. At that point in time, I did surrender it all. So why am I taking it back? You know, what, what, what happened? Listen, you guys. We become self-directed. It is sin. Let us repent. We live by our own selfish agenda. We have our own schedules in this day, in this day even today. It is sin. Let us repent of that. We take ownership of our gifts. For those of you that have pressed in and prayed to a point where God would show you his gifting that he'd given you for his church and for his people and for his kingdom, and then we realize that, and then we only use it at our convenience, it is sin. Let us repent of that. Let me repent of that. We get settled into our comfort zones. We become unwilling to step out into what the Holy Spirit would have for us. It's disobedience, and it's sin. Sin quenches the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Let us yield that. He's ready, he's willing, he wants to wash us clean of that. All we need to do is confess it. Let it go. Have we died to the things of this world? Or does a dangled carrot before us of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life command our attention? Does, does in, in our work lives out there, does a promotion that's dangled over here take us away from a place of ministry that God would have us stay in and operate in? Let us repent, you guys, of not walking filled with the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to control not only our, our direction, but our agenda, our circumstances, our minute-by-minute -minute walk. Let's yield. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a Psalm, Psalm 84, verse 5, that reminds me that this is not my world. Um, it said, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Do we know that this is not, this is not our world? Do we know that we've been called by Jesus Christ to another kingdom? Yes, he's got work for us here. Yes, he wants to use us. Yes, he wants to move in us and through us, and he wants to use us. 
You know, with, with all of God's promises, his love, his compassion, his care, why do we fear letting him reign? I didn't at first. Okay, when I came to Christ, you guys, I was all in. What happened? What happened during those years? You know, uh, the world crept in. So, so do I believe and trust that Jesus is always with me? Do I believe and trust that he will never leave me or forsake me? Do I believe that he has already enabled and equipped me to walk through those works which he prepared beforehand? Remember in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if, if the Lord speaks in my life and says, Blaine, I want to move in you. I want to move in you for my glory. Do I understand that he already did the work? All I got to do is step through it, right? That's it. So, you guys, I'm, I'm being forthright as I'm bearing my heart before you because I didn't realize I was here. I didn't realize I was in this place. So if I love the Lord, my God, with everything I have, as commanded in Deuteronomy chapter 6, then I'll not only desire to obey him, but my heart's desire will be to trust him unconditionally and let him have his way with me. With lack of love or trust, when selfishness creeps in, with that, when we take ownership of our lives and we take ownership of our salvation, comes fear. You know why? Because all of a sudden we're in control. We haven't given control. We've taken back control from the almighty God who spoke the worlds into existence. That's scary when we take back of what we, something we've already given to him. And, and so it's fear. And with fear comes stagnation. And with stagnation comes backsliding. And if you can't see it in yourselves, which I couldn't, this is what the local body of Christ is for, that we may hold ourselves accountable, we may speak into each other's lives lovingly and bring us back. You know, Jesus promises us, um, Isaiah chapter 41.10 is one of my favorites, and he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 91, the last three verses of that, Speak to his care of us. Let me just flip to it here. Psalm 91, starting with verse 14, says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. With Moses at the burning bush. Exodus chapter 3. 
He comforted Moses even as he said in, let's see, verse 11 and 12, Moses said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12, the Lord said to him, I will certainly be with you. Joshua, in chapter 1, verse 9, the Lord speaking to Joshua, just comforting him, says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Peter, in chapter 22 of Luke, where Christ said to him, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. Jesus is there. Paul, in Acts chapter 18, was spoken to in a vision, in a dream. Um, He had just left uh, Philippi, um, Thessalonica, Berea, and he was working his way down to Corinth. He'd been beaten, he'd been thrashed, he'd been stoned, and he just got done speaking in a synagogue where they came up in arms and they threw him out, and Jesus spoke to him in a vision that night, chapter 18 of Acts, verse 9 and 10, and he said, be not afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. Jesus is there. You know, uh, the last verse of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. um, The disciples, as he was speaking to them and he was given the great commission. He ended it by saying, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus moves for his glory to those who are, who are obediently surrendered to him for his work and his kingdom. Peter and Cornelius, you guys, in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius gets a vision. Um, the Lord speaks to him and says, look, your prayers and your alms have come up before God. Send somebody to Joppa, ask for a man named Peter. He will, he will tell you what to do, Right? Peter at the same time was having a vision. And I'm speaking of obedience here. Peter at the same time had a vision. He said, look, don't call what is, un- or don't call what is, cl- what is clean, what I have called clean, unclean. There's somebody that's going to come to your door. And when he knocks, go with him. Don't question anything. And because of that obedience between those two men, Peter went with these people to the house of Cornelius and Gentiles got born again. Gentiles were saved. Jesus uses those that are surrendered to him and his glory for his purposes. Paul in Acts chapter 13, as he was waiting on the Lord, as he was just laying himself in submission before him, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have for them. In chapter 16 of Acts, Paul, as he was being led by the Holy Spirit 
to go on his second missionary journey, attempted to go into Ephesus, and, and his way was blocked. The Holy Spirit wouldn't allow him to go there. As he attempted to go up into Galatia, the, the way was blocked. The Holy Spirit wouldn't allow him to go there. And the Lord spoke to him in a night through the vision um, of a Macedonian that said, Help me. Help me. And through obedience, listening to the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to him, he went over to Macedonia, and there began the church at Philippi. There began the church at Thessalonica. There began the church of Berea. There began the church of Corinth. God uses he wants to use us, and he will use us. Grace that the Lord gives us not only covers our sins, it enables and equips us for his service. So please hear and understand that Jesus is calling each and every one of us here and now, to repent of our selfish place of contentment, our self-directed schedule, our non-surrendered lives, he wants to move. Let all of us recognize and concede that we've not been given tomorrow. We've been given today. Can we and will we yield ourselves this day to where if the Holy Spirit moves in circumstances of your life this afternoon during the midst of your, uh, of your busy schedule, of my busy schedule, and he creates ministry opportunities to speak forth for his cause and his kingdom, are we surrendered to that? For those of us that have only allowed Jesus to take us so far in our walk with him, only so far. Because we're afraid. Because we, we don't want to leave our place that the world has us in. Let us ask Jesus to grow us in our faith like the father of the demon-possessed boy in Mark chapter 9 when Christ told him, if you only believe. And the Father says, I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. Let's let God work in our lives. Let's let God work in our lives for his glory. Let us yield that he may lovingly allow us and call us to walk out of our place of self-contentment. For those of us that have been regularly drawn back into the world for seasons. Let's ask Jesus to cut those apron strings, those attachments to the world that we've not allowed him to cut, that we've not allowed him to separate us from. Let us repent and rededicate our lives in loving trust that he is good, that he is God, and that he knows what's best. For those of us that have disobeyed the Holy Spirit by refusing to step through the doors of ministry opportunity, that our leadership here in this church has asked us to step into, and we've refused, like I have, 
And I confess that here now. And, and I suppose I have because of selfishness and the world's influence on my life. Let us repent of that. Let us understand that the leadership in our church, if they come to you and they say, look, we'd like to see you do such and such. We see a gifting. We'd like to see you do something, you know, here. Understand that they've taken it before the throne of God before they came to you with it. And it's disobedience for us to refuse. It's disobedience and sin. Let us repent and allow God to use our gifts for his glory at his timing. You know, remember what, what the Lord said to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? As he reminded Paul and he said, look, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Whenever we fear, whenever we get asked to step out of our comfort zone, let's understand. Jesus is there and he says, my grace is sufficient. I've done it for you. Trust me. Walk. You guys, when, when the time comes that God calls our name and he says, today your soul will be required of you. Today's the day. Today you're coming home. Let us all be found with our lamps filled with the precious oil of the Holy Spirit of God, with our lights burning brightly, waiting for him. Let us all not be found, you guys, with our lamp filled with our own self-sufficiency and our own selfish agenda, our light barely flickering in our own place of self-contentment, grieving the Holy Spirit of God. We haven't been guaranteed tomorrow. We've been given today. Let us all begin a new chapter in our walk with Christ. Let us position ourselves. Remember King Jehoshaphat, you guys, in, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And the Lord spoke to him as he was facing an army that he had no way to overcome. And the Lord said, uh, stand still and position yourselves. And see the salvation of your God. Listen, as we yield to Christ, let us position ourselves that Christ may work in us. As Ananias spoke to Paul in Acts chapter 22, as just an exhortation to us, Verse 14, 15, and 16. Ananias spoke to Paul, and, and I in turn want to speak to us here. He says, The God of our fathers has chosen you, that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. As Jesus spoke to Paul again, you guys, in that vision as he was in Corinth. As the Lord put on my heart 
He said, do not be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Again, in Isaiah 54, verse 2 and 3, spoken to me and spoken to you guys. And Kendra, if you want to come on up and get ready. It says, enlarge enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear for you will not be ashamed. As we we conclude in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 Paul says, we then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you. In the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Jesus, I pray for your glory. Would you take each and every one of us to a new place in our relationship with you. A new and wonderful place so intensely, God, in your presence that the world would see the majesty of the Creator bearing fruit through our lives. God, I pray for revival. I pray again for revival in the leadership that is missing here today in Boise, Idaho, that the hearts be touched, that their minds would be transformed, that Jesus would have his way with them. I pray now for us here for revival, that Jesus would touch our hearts and our minds, that Jesus would bring us to a place that we've never been before in the presence of his glory. And Jesus, I ask personally that you would create revival in me. For I repent of selfishness, I repent of self, selfish contentment. And I ask God as, as we look to move to a position that you may move in us, that you would also move in me. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the teaching ministry at Calvary Chapel of Crook County, located in Primeville, Oregon. For more information on this ministry, or if you'd like to contribute, please feel free to write us at P.O. Box 378, Primeville, Oregon 97754. Or check us out further at our website at www.calvarycrookcounty.com. We thank you so much for listening, and we pray that this ministry has blessed you.